ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. My name is Jake Botel, and I am privileged to be joined in the Zoom studio by the one and only Minnesota Jack, Jack Johnson. He's back. How are you, Jack? I'm good. I'm glad to be back. It's been a little while since I've done you know, any kind of guest spot on the JBSE. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm glad to be back on the eve of the NFL season, you know, training camp is well underway. Preseason games are on the horizon. And then before you know it, we're going to be smack bang in the middle of the regular season. And there's so many, yeah, there's so many interesting stories to follow. There always is with every season, but so this one is no exception that there's a lot to, to dig into. Um, so I'm glad to be by your side to talk all about it. And that's the exciting thing is that we've got Jack with us throughout our NFL coverage this season. You won't just be listening to me waffle on week in, week out. We'll have a, at least a secondary voice, sometimes maybe joined by a third, um, you know, depending on how we go. Um, obviously, Jack, you've got, a, you've got a, an adventure up into North Queensland uh, shortly, so you might be missing for summer training camp, but then you'll be back for the week-to-week grind of the NFL, which is exciting from my perspective. Oh, yes. Very, very exciting to do something that's, you know, like I always like just hopping on every now and then to just talk some football or Viking stuff, but to be able to put in some research, like I, I kind of have been very, uh, you know, because the AFL season, the Aussie rules is still, you know, it's well underway. And so I've been very invested in that. And I've mm. so the NFL stuff has kind of put to the side. And when you presented to me these ideas, I was like, oh, I'm so into it. And it kind of um, made me want to get into this NFL content more now. And just the last couple of days, like putting on NFL Network, making a cup of coffee, get my breakfast ready and just sitting down and watching it reminded mm. me like, oh, yes, this is. Like you always say, this is the best time of the season of the year for the NFL. It's all the preseason, training camp, OTA stuff where everything's in the air. You know, mm. no one's hearts have been broken yet unless you've gotten injured during <laughs> training camp. But other than that, like everyone thinks that they're going to win the Super Bowl and you know, we'll, we'll get into some certain takes that we have. But it allows for these sort of wildish uh, predictions because you can kind of argue for anything when there's no evidence yet you can basically <laughs> argue anything with the super bowl and that's what i love about this part of the season it's hope season baby you can smell the freshly cut grass you know you can hear the pop of pads i think pads went on training camp i think today was the first day um, of padded practice um yeah you can hear people hitting the quarterback when they shouldn't hit the quarterback um there's fans there at training camp. It's it it is the best time of year. I contend, and I've said this many times on the podcast and to you, this is the best time of year. There's it's 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 all downhill from here, um, you know, because right right now, everything's possible, as you've said. By the time I I, I enter a, a postseason depression, um, once we start weeding away teams, I like it when all thirty two outcomes are. Uh, are still possible and we don't realize that the jets are going to suck again and that the, you know the steelers secondary is going to be swiss cheese yet again oh, yeah. um all right so let's get into obviously today's episode we're doing 
a new segment for the show, and this will be our sort of pre-season version of this. We might do another one perhaps during the season or, you know, on the eve of the first round um, or something like that. But this is spicy, spicier, spiciest. Um, so we'll each give three takes, a spicy take, a spicier take, and the spiciest take. Um, and sort of with a little bit of a bent about, I suppose, early season, pre-season, um, things we've noticed coming out of training camp, whatever that is. But first, want to get into some, just a couple of news headlines. Unfortunately, we have to dive into it. Um, I think it's important to dive into it because at the end of the day, this is sport, but at the same time, these are people that play the sport and this is, uh, you know, a, a people issue of the highest order, a person issue of the highest order. Deshaun Watson, uh, the recommendation has come out from the independent um, judge, judge, arbiter, whatever title it is. Um, the recommendation of six weeks suspension. Um, now, I thought it was really interesting, Jack. You know, the the NFL had originally, they were pretty clear in pushing that they wanted you know, 12 months. They thought this was a 12-month suspension. That's what they were going to push for. This independent person has now said, I recommend six months. Um, there was some weird definitions of like, well, it's non-violent sexual misconduct. Um, this is a dude who has now settled. I was looking up, there's a settlements with 30 women. The Houston Texans have reached settlements with 30 women who have accused the NFL quarterback Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct in massage appointments. That was according to Tony Busby, uh, the lawyer representing the women. That's off the NewYorkTimes.com. Uh, where are we at here, Jacko, for you? Because Roger Goodell and the NFL now have a decision to make um, about whether they just want to cop the six games and allow this story in their eyes maybe to die away. And, you know, um, filter away or are they going to, you know, plant a flag here and try and set a new precedent, um, which could mean going up against the NFL Players Association in federal court. Yeah, it's this is, you know, it's talked about all these interesting stories to follow this season. This perhaps is the is the biggest one. And, you know, we've got this big bombshell today about, you know, the, the recommendations, the amount of yeah, games that he would would miss. And I think a lot of people were shocked by six because the discussion, like you said, was all around a year. And that's what the NFL wanted. And the discussion and, and the debate online and amongst the, the NFL public was around that number. Like, oh, is that too much? Is that, do we need more? Like, if you're going to suspend mm -hmm. some players for gambling for a year, like, surely this needs more than a year. It was all around that number of a full season. So the fact that it came that this judge came out with just six games was really definitely a shock to me. I think a shock to you and um, a shock to a lot of people um, in the, in the football world and the sporting world. What the NFL does from here is going to be really fascinating and really telling because we know that, like you said, the NFL wants a year. So we know what they want, right? That's not really, that's not unclear. If it was completely up to the NFL and if they just made a completely, if they made the decision totally on their own, we know that he'd get a year and not that there's any real appropriate sanction or punishment. Like that's, that's pretty close. You go like, okay, 
we don't live in a perfect world. This is what we have to work with a year. Great. And you can sort of move on from that and say that's now done. So we know that's what the NFL wants, but they obviously, you know, they, they bargained with the NFLPA to have this independent judge come in and review it because the NFLPA has sort of been you know unhappy with how the NFL has done things independently on their own, which I also get. I, I get wanting an independent person to come in and view a situation from the outside. That's not a ridiculous thing to ask for. No. But we've now gotten the result, right, which is six games. The Players Association will not appeal that, which is a whole other thing, but that's what they've said. They're not going to appeal that. So now it's back to the NFL. So essentially we're just back where we started, where the NFL has to make a decision. Do they want to go with the full year or do they want to go with something like six games? And if they do end up appealing, it sort of seems it's all a part of the process, but it all seems a bit weird because this is the, the process that the NFL agreed to. They're like, okay, we're going to work with the PA and we've decided that this is the way to go. We're going to get someone independent to come in, judge the situation and come up with a recommendation. And so if the NFL then appeals that, it's sort of like you just appealed your own mm. process that you fought for. And that might set its own precedent for future cases where, you know, an independent person comes in to judge a situation, maybe not exactly similar mm. to Watson's, but something like that. And the NFL is happy with it. Then the PA will go, well, hang on. You appealed the Deshaun Watson ruling. So we're going to appeal this one. And you get into such muddy water. So to answer your question, I don't know what the NFL is going to do because they very easily could just go, well, this is what they said. Six games mm. can't do much about it. We agreed to this, you know, and and kind of it, it'd be a bit of a cop out to do that, but I could to- totally see them do that. But also with the amount of um, like uh, the, the discourse that's gone on from this ruling might be too much. The NFL goes, we're going to have to fight this because we don't want to let Deshaun Watson get away with just six games. It's not a good look for the league. Mm. Well, and I feel like it's an interesting, like, sort of distinction to make too. In the, in the as we said, this independent sort of, um, you know, evaluation of these cases, you know, has come out from my understanding, you know, as part of the, as you said, the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement with the players and that the players wanted this independent, you know, um, process, but it shouldn't be overlooked that within that process, the NFL gave up some ground to have independent recommendation, but Roger Goodell has always maintained the final hammer drop. Do you know what I mean? So, so th- this is just a recommendation. When I first saw this come out, the six-week suspension, that is just a recommendation based on independent evaluation. That doesn't mean that the NFL can't turn around and totally disregard if they want to, having maintained the power of final say. The problem, I guess, is, and you saw that this the statement from the NFL Players Association ahead of this announcement, just hours before this announcement, basically saying, hey, we've cooperated fully with this in ongoing investigation. We will accept the ruling of the recommendation of the independent person we would hope that the nfl would do the same which to me is drawing a line in the sand saying hey if you don't accept this um whatever the independent recommendation is uh then we will see you further down the road because we're gonna take this further um you know 
federal court, etc. So I'm really interested to see how this all washes out. And I guess too, outside of, you know, legal, you know, speak and and the 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 nitty-gritty ins and outs of this um the outpouring on twitter from women who work in the industry women who are fans women who you know whether it's media or you know who work with teams and all that sort of stuff like this is massive and it sets a really kind of scary precedence for me um when you look at guys who are out of the league you know, because they smoked weed or you look at, you know, do we really want this? You know, there's, and, and from, from my perspective, and I'm not talking facts now, I'm just talking my opinion, you know, so there's, there's been a recommendation of a suspension. So this independent evaluator has found that there's wrongdoing. There's wrongdoing occurred enough for a suspension. And do we really think that you know, thirty different women who have now been settled with, um, out of court. That's six weeks. I mean, we gave. We it's the same suspension as DeAndre Hopkins is going to serve for having traces of performance enhancing drugs in his system. It's far less than the twelve months Calvin Ridley's serving for betting on Falcons games, and I believe betting on Falcons games, betting on the Falcons to win while he wasn't in yeah. the lineup. Something he has no influence over. Um, you know, anyway, Jacko, I, I think let, let's move on from this. Um, you had a story on the, on the ticket about Cardinals quarterback, Kyler Murray testing positive for COVID. I think this is a nice little step off for us. If we want to have a quick chat about this whole Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals, um, just what a basket case of a situation. Yeah. And it's really not what you want. If you're with the Cardinals right now, like yeah. their season, as it often does under Cliff Kingsbury, their season ended in such a disappointing fashion. And what you want, right after that, what you want is a really good preseason, like an an off season, right? You want to get into Week One, like all the hype is going your way, and then see what happens from there. But baseline is you want a really smooth sailing off season and preseason. And so just with the COVID stuff quickly, that's really not great because one, I think I'm not expecting this of Kyla Murray, but it should be noted that not everyone comes back from COVID. Even athletes who are incredibly healthy come back 100%. I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll be able to go back to training camp and feel fine, but it just should be noted that there are situations. I don't know if we've seen much of it in the NFL, but we've definitely seen it in the AFL where, yeah. Players catch COVID and they're out for their week of isolation. And then they keep playing in the VFL, the second league below. And then the coaches say, oh, that he's still recovering. You know, doesn't quite have the lung capacity yet. Not quite the the tank to keep going. And it takes a little while for even athletes to get back up and running. And so I'm not predicting that for Kyla and, and I wouldn't bet on it. But it's worth mentioning that it's possible that this could have, even if it's just a small impact, but an impact on on the season, but I think it's more important, the continuity, right? Yeah. He's going to miss five days of, um, of training camp, which is really, I know he's been in the system for a while. You know, this is what his fourth year um, with mm. the Cardinals. So he's, he's, it's not like he's a, he, he's a rookie or something coming into a new system or there's a new coach or something. 
but still that that's all so valuable and to lose that and for the players to be doing training camp for five days without their main guy their main qb it's gonna be fascinating to see if that has any kind of impact and it might not it might just be okay five days whatever we get back onto it but it, like i said it's just not what you want going into the season to have your quarterback miss five days of training camp because of because of COVID, I think is not not a great start for the Cardinals. Yeah, and this is just uh, like as you said, it's just another thing. Like this, this to me is like it's a ticking time bomb. You know, let's let's call it that. Steve Kime and the uh, <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> the front office, the quarterback, the like. This is not really what what you want. You want harmony. You want some harmony between coach, GM, and QB. Um, I think if you want long term, you know, sustainability, you saw, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, that had to be resolved. At some point, you had to, you know, resolve the tensions that were there between um, Brian Gutekunst, um, Matt Lafleur, and Aaron Rodgers, in order for them to sort of move on. Now. It, it didn't obviously it didn't impact Aaron Rodgers' performance on the field, but you know it was touch and go there during last off season whether he was going to suit up again. There was talk of retirement, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's it's a fascinating situation for me with Kyler Murray. As you said, he's he's got to sit out five days now. His his symptoms are described as um, minor. Um, that's per Cliff Kingsbury, but. As you said, there's a lot of unknowns with this stuff, you know, where athletes come back and it's like, oh shit, I'm actually not the same. And I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think this is any more than a footnote in the story, but it's just another thing in this Cardinals off season of chaos and dysfunction. Um, they, they removed the, the, the homework clause from his contract. I don't know if you saw that, but after it came out in the media, it, it's just like, you know, let's set up the circus tent here because it it's it's really not it hasn't been a good look for mine um because of how the season ended last year um I, i'm really interested to see but anyway we know that kyla murray though now has a good five days to get some video gaming in before returning to <laughs> training camp oh sure you'll watch um, film now <laughs> that's right yeah get get five days of that independent study time the, the whole thing was just a bad look um uh, and, and, you know, specifically from the team point of view, like you're kind of going, yeah, we'll pay you a $200 million contract, but, but please do your job. Like, I don't know. It's mm. very weird. Um, James Washington, this is the last little bit of news I just wanted to hit. James Washington, the Cowboys has a fractured foot, which I've seen, um, we'll see him miss six to 10 weeks. So that's getting now into you know, the first weeks of the season, the Cowboys lost Amari Cooper to the Browns during the off season. So now you've got CD Lamb as that clear number one. Um, you know, Michael Gallup would have been James Washington as well there, but now you're sort of looking at, at rookies and that sort of thing. I don't know if you've got any strong thoughts on this one, but I just thought I'd bring it up for people that, you know, um, the Cowboys having lost Amari Cooper now another wide receiver down for the better part of two months now. Yeah, I think for me, it just, it adds another reason why I don't think the Cowboys are going to do well at all this season. You know, losing Amari Cooper was huge, right? 
But mm-hmm. even, you know, people love to talk about the Cowboys offensive line. And there are some like really good linemen there, but they're aging, right? They're getting older and it's more likely that they're going to get injured. And you only need one or two pieces of that O-line to be out and the whole thing falls apart. Mm. Um, so I don't know if we can hold on to that as one of their real strengths now and say, oh, but their O-line is great, you know, because how long is that going to last? Will they repeat and have another great season? You know, every once you get past that 30-year-old mark, every year is a question. And sometimes that's proved wrong and they go, no, that's not a great season, but it's always a question. It's always, okay, but can I do it again? So I feel like that's a bit of an issue. And yeah, so so Washington missing, yeah, more than, you know, more than a half of the season is, yeah, it's it's a tough blow for the Cowboys and similar to what's going on with the Cardinals. Like, it's just, it's a thing you don't want. You just don't want this kind of stuff. You want to go into the season fully fresh and like smooth sailing. The one silver lining I guess you could take from it is that you would rather him get injured now than get injured in week one. When you've got all, when you've practiced your whole preseason for this receiving core and then one of them goes out, not that he's going to be your number one, but at least now they can go, okay, we know we're not going to have Washington for the first, you know, six or so weeks. What's the game plan going to look like? And if they're a good coaching staff, they'll work through it. You know, and Dak Prescott is still a great quarterback. I think, I think he'll, he'll work with what he has, but Mm. yeah, I think that division as well, it's not, not the best division in football, but I think it's improving. Um, The Giants probably will still be pretty awful, but I feel like Washington and um, the Eagles will be big improvers and the Cowboys will at least at best will kind of stay around the same, but I think they might even drop. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. I sort of forgot that they went, 12 and five last year, like that, that mm. they would uh, sort of pass me by. Um, I think the offense can be worse and the team actually be better because I think their defense, um, they made some acquisitions in the draft that I really like. And I loved what they had last year as well. So I, I don't know where their record ends up because that division is weird. I'm personally pretty high on what the Eagles can do. Um, in 2022, I like the, um, Comparison statistically, if you look at the first 19 games of Jalen Hurts' career, the first 19 of of Josh Allen's, and although they're not like-for-like players, point being players with an explosive potential sometimes, you know, take a little while to warm into um, the NFL level. I I think Jalen Hurts can be pretty dominant. And even if he's not, my other point about Philly is they accumulate quarterbacks better than anyone else, I reckon, in the league. Um, obviously you go back to the Carson Wentz, Nick Foles one, but you know, you so the, the drop-off would be from Jalen Hurts to Gardner Minshew. Now Minshew could start at probably half a dozen other NFL teams. I, I would hazard a guess. I'd, I'd have Minshew starting in New York. I'd have Minshew starting in Seattle. Obviously you could have Minshew starting in Cleveland. Um, that's just three off the mm-hmm. top of my head. I think he's a very good quarterback. So uh, yeah, I think the Eagles are... A definite chance at that division. Anyway, let's pivot now, though, Jack. Out of the news, wash our hands of the news, and get into a new segment we like to call Spicy, Spicier, Spiciest. Um, we will Ooh, hot. Eat... That's right. Hot, hot, hot. 
Um, Scoville units and all of that stuff associated with spiciness. Um, so the, the, the layout is we'll each give three takes. A spicy take, a spicier take, and our spiciest take. The top shelf, the big pepper. Um, and these are to do with sort of pre-season, early season training camp stuff. Would you like to go first as our esteemed guest, Jack, with your spicy take? I don't mind get thrown, getting thrown into the deep end. It's okay. I can work with that. All right. I'm, I'm pretty happy with my take. Okay. Spicy take, right? Prepare okay. your taste buds and your tongue. It's not the spiciest, but it's spicy. There's a, bit of, okay. there's a bit of heat there where you go like, Ooh. All right, I'm going to strap in. The Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. will finish the regular season with a winning record. That is my spicy take for the season. Yeah. I think when you look at their schedule, it's pretty favorable. Um, and, you know, that division is pretty weak. You know, like the Titans were the number one seed, but I feel like everyone last season was like, they're the number one seed. They didn't like, mm. they weren't that commanding. And who knows if they can repeat it. And then, you know, who knows what's going to go on with the Texans? I just feel like that division, they could they could get a few scalps, right? Because they play those teams twice a season. They could grab a few more than they did last season. Um, you know, and a new coach can really breathe life into a young team. Doesn't always, but when you get a new guy in around a bunch of young men and go like, this is the season, right? It can really, really work out. And I quite rate Doug Peterson. I really think... Yeah, he was a guy that when the Vikings were looking for a coach, I would have been pretty happy if he went with Peterson. I'm, I'm pretty happy with who, who we got, but Peterson was right up there. So I think I really rate him highly as a coach, and I think he could do something really well with that team. And, you know, another season for Lawrence with his running back from college. You know, we've got to remember that Travis Etienne um, mm. got drafted by the Jaguars last season, but had an injury in the preseason and didn't play a single snap. Um, and so now he's back, he's going to be fully healthy and another season for a rookie quarterback when there's someone with the talent as Lawrence, right? You're always going to see an improvement. Um, you know, and they boosted the defense in the off season. They got Trayvon Walker at number one. The word out of training camp is he's looking really good. And, you know, the Bengals went from four and 11 to a Super Bowl because of their generational QB. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying the Jaguars are going to get to the Super Bowl, but the Bengals, right, with a young coach and you know a, a once in a generation quarterback, can go from four and eleven to a Super Bowl. I really think the Jags can go from what was it three wins last season? Uh, was, was it one win? I forget. Go from that many wins, right? I reckon they can go to nine and eight. That that's that's my spicy take. I like it. We park our car in the same garage here. Um, I, I have Jacksonville as my leading candidate to go from worst to first in 2022. I actually think they can win that division personally. Um, I think we'll, we, we wait and see what the Matt Ryan Indianapolis Colts look like. Uh, we'll wait and see what the Houston Texans look like. I, I, I like Davis Mills as a potential breakout candidate yeah. you know if you look at all the second year rookie qbs you know as people will be talking about justin fields um and rightly so and people will be talking about trevor lawrence as they fucking should because he's an elven god of quarterbacking um but 
you know, I, I think Davis Mills was really good for the for the Texans as well. But I think they can win that division. I, I think that that division is in flux. I think you're totally onto it. Last year, speaking of basket case operations in the Cardinals, basket case operations in the Jags. Like, what the fuck were we doing with Urban Meyer? You know, kicking kickers and, you know, grabbing co-eds and all that sort of stuff or whatever it was, you know, in, in bars. And, and even something as simple as not flying back home with the team after a game absurd like nfl head coach behavior like that just that if anything displayed to me oh this guy ain't it um and then there was so much more that came out so no i think you're totally on it did enjoy what they did in the draft uh, i think they're gonna have a nice pass rush tandem with um walker and uh there josh allen I think those guys are going to be a deadly combo on defense. And I just think Trevor Lawrence, people go, oh, he threw 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Um, yeah, Peyton Manning had a pretty bad season or two to start his career um, as well. So uh, he, he's just, he has talent oozing out of his pores. Um, uh, just a, a really brilliant, brilliant prospect uh, who I think will take a, a massive step forward with competent coaching. So I like your spicy take, Jack. All right, now. What have you got? I've got to find a, spi a, a, a spicy take here. I've got a couple of QB ones. Um, I know what my spiciest take is. My spicy <laughs> take, my spicy take is that Jermaine Johnson at the New York Jets, not Kayvon Thibodeau, at the New York Giants will be the biggest impact defensive end rookie in New York in 2022. And I would go so far as to say, I think Jermaine Johnson at the Jets can have a better career, a longer career than Kayvon Thibodeau, who is much hyped at the Giants. I think Jermaine Johnson made instant impact coming from Georgia to Florida State last year. Um, in college and i just i've liked the cut of his jib when i've heard him interviewed he seems like a transformative player for that franchise like i know they added their you know quote unquote franchise qb you know last year in zach wilson this guy to me feels like a player you can build a, a culture around um so he played 12 games last year for florida state had a total of 70 tackles, 17 and a half of those were for loss, 11 and a half sacks, two passes defended, a fumble recovery, two forced fumbles, and a touchdown. I think Jermaine Johnson can be an absolute game wrecker and a team builder for the New York Jets. I think he's going to set a standard. I mean, I think that's a good take. A bit of spice to that. I like it. The Jets are an interesting team in that I don't seem to be reading anything about the Jets, which you can either take as a positive or a negative. You can take it as a negative and go, nothing's really going on there. They're just going to kind of do the same thing. Or they can sneak up. There's always teams, you know, like I'm predicting that, as it seems you are as well, the Jags to be one of those teams that just kind of comes out from nowhere and doesn't dominate, but, you know, becomes a really good football team. Jets could absolutely do that. And if they can, yeah, if they if they can show up that defense, right, and be a little bit more of a bully on that side of the football, 
that can go a long way. I think that that sets the tone. I feel like if you've got an offense that's iffy, right, that can make some big plays but is a bit inconsistent, if you can at least have a defense that makes plays and gets stops, that can help out your offense, you know, for the obvious reasons. But I'm, I'm thinking more like in terms of motivation and, you know, getting that offense humming. When they're when they you know are sitting on the bench and they're watching their defense on the field get stop after stop, that can boost you and go like, all right, this is our chance. We've got to reward these guys by playing so well and actually getting some first downs and some touchdowns. So, I think that's a good call, and I think that he's he's going to be a massive part of the Jets trying to make a push. It's not easy, you know. That's especially in that division. Um, although you know, you know, the Bills are obviously great, but the rest of that division could possibly be up for grabs who knows but i like the call it's a good one excellent all right let us move into our spicier takes do you do you want to flip do you want me to go first with the spicier take yeah, let's flip. all right let's flip all right my spicier take and this one i really think is is spicier um i'm gonna go with it i don't know how it's spicier i think that gino smith at the Seahawks is going to go into week one as the starter for Seattle over Drew Locke. I think Pete Carroll and the Seahawks have a strange, disturbed fascination with Geno Smith. Last year, went one and two um, as a starter, but he completed 68% of his passes, the second most of his career, 702 yards, five touchdowns, just the one interception. it was his most yards per attempt in his career. Uh, sorry, the second most since 2016. It was his highest QB rating of his career. I feel like now Geno Smith's been there. He's been around that team um, for a couple of seasons now, Geno. I'm not saying that Drew Locke doesn't end up finishing out the season or taking over the job. But I think my spicier take is that we're going to see Geno Smith week one as the starter in Seattle, because I think Pete Carroll has a weird obsession. I think there's a weird obsession, a fascination with, Hey, what could this offense look like with Geno in it? (laughs) I like it. It is spicier. Lives up to its name. That is a spicier take. I think there's also an argument for, you know, one's been in the system and one has not, you know, and at least like you're saying in week one, going with the guy that understands that roster and their game plan a bit more than a guy like Drew Locke. And I forget what game it was, but there was a game where Geno Smith played for the Seahawks when Russell Wilson was out and it was really close and it ended with the, I think he fumbled and the other team scored a touchdown or something from it, but it was really close. And I remember watching it going, he's not a great quarterback, but this guy could do something. And, you know, and, and that's, you are all Pete you need. Carroll. that's all you need. You yeah. are, that's exactly yes. what Pete Carroll's thinking. Hmm, yeah. He's not great. He's not a terrible quarterback. But... <laughs> yeah. It, it, it will be fascinating, fascinating to see. And I think, yeah, the fact that they still have him on the roster, right? The fact that he's still competing for that spot, I think, proves your point that that Pete Carroll and that coaching staff think that there is something to mine there. And if they just, you know, speaking of mining, it, you could you could bring in a Minecraft analogy, right? You're yeah, digging please. down for diamonds, and you're getting no diamonds. But 
you've, you've done the research on the internet and if you dig a certain depth, right, mm. the chances of finding diamond become much higher. You keep digging and it's just dirt and cobblestone and iron mm. and all this stuff. It's not great. <laughs> but you're like, if I just keep digging, right? If I just keep going, I can't turn back now. That's I feel right. like that's Geno Smith. He's the diamond <laughs> that Minecraft was looking for. And if they just go one more season, one more game, that's they'll find right. that diamond. It was it was um, against Pittsburgh. He had a great game, 23 of 32 for 209 yards with a touchdown. Um, and that was the game where he almost led them to a win in, in Heinz Field, 23-20 loss. And no one then, picked them to win that game, by memory. No, nah, and then he led a flogging of the, ja- the Jacksonville Jaguars, 20 of, 34, uh, tw- 20 of 24, 195 yards, two touchdowns, and 128.3 passer rating. So, um, yeah, I think there were flashes there that they, they'll like. And I don't know. Drew Locke's an interesting one. We'll see how he's obviously got a lot of talent. If he can't get over Drew, uh, over Geno Smith here in 2022, I think there's there's danger signs um, that the runway is running out on on the career. So, um, or at least as you know, as a bona fide starter. All right, what is your spicier take? Mm. So this one, you got to get the milk ready, right? You know, this okay. is going to be a bit more. Need to cool it down. Okay. My spicier take is Tom Brady does it again, sort of. So there's a bit of a caveat here. I think the GOAT is going to lead the Buccaneers to a conference championship game. I don't know if they're going to win it and get to another Super Bowl, but I think Tom Brady is going to put them in a position to get to another Super Bowl. You know, I, I, Buccaneers are an, are an odd one, and I think – you know, there's news coming out of training camp that their center is injured and might be like have a season ending injury. If that's true, that kind of puts a little bit of a dent in this, but, but still, I really do think that, you know, they've got no, I feel like the theme of this episode so far has been off field distractions, right? Mm. They don't have the God of all off field distractions in Antonio Brown, right? He's no longer. And I really feel like in the end, Brady was fed up with him as he should be. So just to not have to worry about that anymore. Um, I think is going to really help his psyche and the whole and the whole team. That offense, you know, has gotten stronger with the addition of Julio Jones, who you know he's an aging receiver, but he's still really really talented, and I think could fit that kind of explosive offense that the Buccaneers have. I think he could really work there. That division is kind of meh. I could really see the Buccaneers just like it's true. Some easy pickings there. And their schedule actually is pretty favorable. Like a lot of the tough teams that they play, they play at home. Um, I feel like they could just kind of get through the season <clears throat> pretty pretty easily. And then when it comes to the playoffs, like once they get in, as long as they get in, I feel like playoffs? they have a really strong chance. <laughs> the, the, the AFC has a lot of really, really good teams. The mm. NFC is a bit more up in the air. And I feel like as long as the Buccaneers get there, right, I don't care what their record is. They could even they could even have a worse record this season. But I reckon if they can just get to the playoffs, I think that they could fancy their chances against any other team in the NFC. And I think Tom Brady is going to take them to get an opportunity to get to another Super Bowl. And I feel like most importantly, Brady unretired for a reason, right? Yes. He's not doing that flippantly. He knows that there's another chance here, and I feel like he he's going again one more time 
to prove everyone wrong because I don't think anyone's picking the Buccaneers to get to the Super Bowl. And I feel like he's just going to go, all right, fair enough. You guys write your columns, publish your articles, record your podcasts, but I'm going to go out here and I'm going to, I'm going to lead Tampa Bay to a Super Bowl. And I think at the very least, he's going to give them an opportunity and get them to the NFC conference championship. Yeah. A hundred percent agree with you. Like I, I don't see any, so I, I don't, there's no decline coming for mine. Tom Brady's going to be Tom Brady until he retires. That's, that's, I'm fully in agreement there. I don't see this, you know, physical drop off coming. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Um, and there's still talent around him. The center thing is massive, but I guess if you're going to lose your center, hey, let's have six weeks before the season starts to try and figure it out with whoever our backup option is. And obviously, it's not ideal, and it's it's still a terrible blow, and you feel for Ryan Jensen, but. At the same time, hey, we've got time to adapt and adjust as best we can. Um, just a little note, too, on, on his competition. Um, you know, the Packers lose Devontae Adams. So, you know, mm -hmm. um, that, that's, a, that's a, a rival in the NFC who, who loses a key piece. Um, don't know if you're up with this, but Rams quarterback Matt Stafford still has a little bit of pain in his throwing shoulder after th i believe he had surgery um i think i'm right there on the elbow sorry on his elbow um after the super bowl i believe i was just looking on uh draft sharks i mean their shark bite section rams head coach sean McVay said monday quarterback matthew stafford still has a little bit of pain in his throwing elbow um, had an injection in that elbow shortly after the super bowl didn't throw it all during the during the spring um, Sean McVay, we just want to be really smart with somebody that is as important as our quarterback is. We want to put together a plan that we feel like is his, in his best interests and our best team's interests. Um, that's pretty major when your starting quarterback is still experiencing pain in his throwing elbow. Like anyone who follows things like baseball and such, like the elbow is not somewhere you want to be feeling pain if your career is made off throwing balls so um might be a total non-issue psychological i reckon the psychological aspect is possibly even more important than the physical right definitely if you're going into the season let's say you've recovered and you get to week one you've done some throws elbow seems fine even if that's true and that might not even be true you might still be feeling pain but even if mm. he's fully physically recovered there's the psychological thing of do i really let this one rip do i really take this yeah. hit because I've just been feeling pain in this elbow the last six months, yep. you know, and all you need, right, in this league against the best teams, all you need to make a bad decision is half a second of thought to get in your own head. Thinking, oh, do I do? The moment you've thought about it, you've lost, right? Because in that half second, a cornerback has made an extra stride and gotten into a better position. You know, a defensive end has slid through and starts to go for a sack, like, those half seconds are so important and you can't have, so you just, you can't have that. So I didn't know that. And so that's going to be fascinating. And yeah, just goes to my point about the Buccaneers and if Tom Brady can stay healthy as he's done for his whole career, right. That mm. seems like almost a given at this stage. I, I do think the Buccaneers can just go again. And I think there's also value 
to, you know, because they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, didn't last year. I think that can kind of help if you're going for another Super Bowl, right? If you're still at the high level, missing out the year the year before just gives a bit of hunger, you know, and if Tom Brady, he might go again next year, but it seems that he's probably just going to go for one more, even more motivation for that team to go, all right. And this will be Bruce Arians last season, right? He's not going to coach again. I mean, he's, what he, I've read, he, right? He, he's not coaching. He's gone. He's not he gone. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles oh, is the man. Oh, yeah. Well, yep. there, there's even more reason. It's like you've got this guy who's been in the system mm. who is like, okay, can I take this roster to the Super Bowl? Right. So I, I do, I, I'm really high on the Buccaneers. And I think that, I think it's very likely that they go all the way once more. Yeah. No, 100% agree. Um, and, you know, you just had divisional. I don't know how many of their divisional opponents have got stronger. The Falcons have Marcus yeah. Mariota at quarterback. The Panthers might have Baker Mayfield, might have Sam Darnold, might have Matt Corral at quarterback. Um, the Saints have Jameis Winston and Dennis Allen as their head coach. Um, it's going to be very interesting um, how that all shakes out. But I, I think you're right. I think the the GOAT is in perfect position to make another deep, deep playoff run. All right. It's time for the spiciest take. We, we, we've snaked so far, so let's snake again. It's back to you. You are bringing your spiciest take. He needs some milk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, needs some milk. That's what we want oh, yes. here. This is, this is one of those takes that, you know, you order at the restaurant, you're like, I can handle this, right? This is, it's spicy, but I like spicy food. And you eat it and you're like, whoo, this might, this up might end my night. You know, it's a bit too much and you feel like you're going to feel more pain later in the evening. So this is one of those takes, okay? I want you to, to prepare. Because it's layered. This is not okay. one. This is three takes in one. It's got right? I'm going all out. It's got layers. Spiciest take. And I'm pretty sure you can guess at least the subject of my, of my take. So. My spiciest take is we will see a Vikings triple threat. Not only will Kirk Cousins win the MVP award, but Justin Jefferson will lead the league in receiving yards and Daniil Hunter will be the defensive player of the year. So I think we're going to go across the board and get those three guys all the way. I think that the, the Kirk Cousins argument is a pretty simple, clear one in that he was really great last season, but there were just all these issues with losing close games and coaching staff and all that. So it's been pretty well publicized how, you know, got a really offensive minded coach in, you know, that, that the receiving core is great, like Jefferson and Thielen, KJ Osborne had a breakout season last year. So I feel like Kirk is just like ready to go. He just got paid again. So he's just, I feel like he's hyping himself up to just have, an enormous season. And I think when it comes to MVP voting as well, there's a bit of narrative that helps with that. It's not just stats. And, you know, because Kirk Cousins has always been a stat quarterback. His stats are great, but he just doesn't get the wins and um, doesn't quite have the narrative going. And I feel like the Vikings are going to do better win-wise, which is going to put him up in voting. He's, I think they're going to go, they could go as good as like 13 and three. Like, I think they could really win a lot of games this season. Um, but even just the narrative, right? New coach. He's finally got someone on his side. 
and he starts dominating. And I think that feeds into the narrative that gets him votes. And then the Justin Jefferson one is even more simple. Now he just had a great season last year and he himself is like, I'm going to be the first one to get 2000 receiving yards. Like I'm just going to go all the way. And the, the two go hand in hand. If Kirk Cousins is winning the MVP, I feel like it's a given that Justin Jefferson is going to lead the league in receiving yards because, you know, Thielen is still a great part of that offense, but he's just not the same player he was. KJ Osborne is still like a wide receiver three. And Jefferson is just going to, he's going to have another breakout season. The the more nuanced part is the Daniil Hunter aspect. So I think with the addition of Zadarius Smith, right, on the other side of that defensive line, I think is really going to help him out because he's not going to be the only guy that that defense that that offensive line is focusing on. They've got to they've got to account for two pass rushes, um, but Daniel Hunter's obviously the more talented one there. And if he can just keep a healthy season, right, and just like stay stay healthy, I think they could really go all the way. I want to bring up his stats from last season. Mm. So weeks one through seven, when Daniel Hunter played. The Vikings 2021 defense was first in sack percentage, sixth in total defense, third in pass defense, and seventh in pass defense success rate. Weeks 8 through 18, when Hunter did not play, the Vikings went to 12th in sack percentage, 22nd in total defense, 17th in pass defense, and 26th in pass defense success rate. So I think he's such a big part of that defense, and we know how talented he is. Like he's just like, he's just a beast. And whenever he plays, he plays like he's going to have a defensive player of the year season. Like Mm -hmm. stats wise, he just can't stay healthy. And so if he can, right, if he can just stay on the field, I think he's going to push and have a really strong case for defensive player of the year. And so I think we're going to see all three. I think I'm going to go one bang, bang, bang. That that's my spiciest take right on the top. He needs some milk. Oh, go to He needs some milk. He needs oh, yeah. some milk. <laughs> How much three, milk? three. Get all the milk in there, because it's a... no. Look, I think you're onto something. I think it is a spiciest take to have all three of those things happen, um, yep. <laughs> because you because you're uh, you know there's health parts of it. Um, Justin Jefferson to me seems like or, almost a lock. Um, you and I obviously have an ongoing sandwich bet. Um, the the loser buys the winner a sandwich. Uh, I'm on the side that Randy Moss will still have more. Was it more passing yards and touchdowns than Justin Jefferson when yeah. Justin Jefferson finishes his career? You're on the other side, um. So it makes sense yeah. that you'd be high on Jefferson. I'm also high on Jefferson. Um, the the bet for me is is based on Moss's ability to have longevity and 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 you know continue performing. Mm. I just taking that bet, um, on the side of longevity, but. Justin Jefferson is an absolute freaking stud right now. Like he is that top, you know, what three receiver in, in the competition, you know, Jamar Chase, um, Devontae Adams, uh, just off the top of my head, like Justin Jefferson is right, right, right up there near the very tippy top. I think Kirk Cousins for all the hate he gets. Yeah. He's, he's productive. Um, more than capable. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, the big, big off-season acquisition for the Minnesota Vikings. Can you have a coach from that sort of Sean McVay mold um, who can get that instant turnaround? Um, and, and instant turnaround in terms of, the, terms of the attitude and the culture. 
can you change this franchise to a franchise of, oh, so close to actually we're going to come for this division because the division is there to be taken. The Bears are still, a, we talked a lot of basket cases today. The Bears are still a basket case. The Lions are still building. I don't see the Lions as a division winner in 2022 with Jared Goff, even though I like kind of what um, Dan Campbell is building. I think that's a long process to turn them around. Um, and the Green Bay Packers just lost one of their biggest offensive weapons. I, I think if the Vikings aren't in it up to their teeth this year, um, you know, I think you should ask hard questions about, you know, the, the, the playing group and, and, and what they're doing because they have so much talent and they've now got a coach who I think can set them free on offense and hopefully delegate defensive, you know, responsibilities to the right people. Um, and get them playing well on both sides of the ball uh, and have that create that winning winning culture and mentality. It's spicy. It's the spiciest take that you've had, but I do like it. I do like it a lot. All right. Uh, it is time for my spiciest. He take. needs some milk. Um, so my spiciest take revolves around also around my team the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm saying my spiciest take is that barring injury ahead of him on the depth chart, Kenny Pickett does not start a game in 2022. Uh, get that spicy meatball in ya. Um, he needs some milk. My reasoning is this. Mike Tomlin, for me, and I could be wrong, I think he's got all the time in the world, okay? I don't think that, you know, whereas fans might go, it's Super Bowl now or sack him. I don't think that's how ownership views Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin seems to have an enormous amount of runway. They seem to have a system and a culture in place where, hey, we're not going to you know, upend the apple cart every year we don't win a Super Bowl. This is a process we have just moved on. I think they're very aware we've just moved on from the franchise's best quarterback. You know, Ben Roethlisberger. He's an all-time stealer, um, whether you think he's a dirtbag or not. Um, I tend to think he was the greatest Steelers quarterback and a dirtbag. Um, so both can be true at the same time. Um, but I think there's going to be patience here. And I really do think that Kenny Pickett is going to be stashed on that depth chart um, people going, how did they take him in the first round and all that sort of stuff? I think they see first round draft talent that takes a season of learning the ropes to unlock. I, I really do. I think they're going to be patient with him. I think that's why you keep Mason Rudolph, who knows the offense. I mean, they went was it eight, eight and one or nine and seven with Mason Rudolph in 2019 when he was the starter. Um, this team isn't built around quarterback. Um, I think it's also why you go out and get Mitch Trubisky. He's another person who can push Mason Rudolph for the starting job. I, I tend to think Mitch Trubisky will be the starter in week one. I think Rudolph will be, will be his backup. I think Kenny Pickett's going to get time to run the scout team. He's going to get time to work his way through. Steelers fans aren't going to be happy because they want the local boy starting. But I, I think this is the best plan for them personally. And that's my spiciest take. Kenny Pickett will not start a game barring injury ahead of him in 2022. That is indeed 
your spiciest take. I de- when you said it, I was like, I was not in agreement. And then as you kept talking, I think you've made a really good case for it in that, yeah, they're, they're, especially with the Steelers. I think this is the case for every team, but it does seem to be a thing with the Steelers where, yeah, the fans always are like, yeah, Super Bowl or bust every season, right? It's always win now, win now, win now. And yeah, I and I really quite like Mitch Trubisky. I know there's a lot of people out there who think he's a bum and he just isn't going to do anything. I think he actually shows, he showed some good signs with the Bears and I think that Mike Tomlin and that staff and that roster who, you know, have some have some weapons on on offense. I think he could really do something. I do think he will be the starter. My thinking was that that Kenny Pickett would get a chance to prove himself. But I think you've made a good point that um and you know there's 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 an AFL equivalent that you and I both know very well about there there is great value in when you've got first round talent. If you don't think that they're ready to go, if you don't think they can just dominate from day dot, there's so much value in just letting them practice and get everything in and also have some time to digest that sort of expectations on them. If Kenny Pickett has to start week one, wow, what an expectation that's going to be put on his shoulders and almost an unfair expectation. Whereas if from the get-go... Like, if you're right and he doesn't start a game for the season, I don't know if you would agree with me on this, but I feel like Tomlin should just be straight up with it and go, like, he's not going to start this season. Mm. Unless, like you're saying, unless there's some sort of injury thing that goes on, we're not going to start him this season. So that everyone knows, right, there's not this week-to-week thing of when's Kenny Pickett starting, when's he starting? Because that might actually have a worse effect. But if if from the get-go we're like, he's not starting this season if we have our way, he's going to start next season once we feel like he's gotten enough practice, that will just take off a little bit of expectations off his shoulders. So next season, he can come and attack the football with some actual experience, you know, and go like, yeah, there's a lot of expectation on me, especially in this town, but I feel like I'm ready for it. I had a whole year to just sit and watch and learn and practice and digest it all. I'm ready to go instead of going now. Like, okay, you've had a few months <laughs> to practice and get ready. Now you're going to start... Who do you guys start in week one? Who do you start, who do you guys play? Oh gosh, I'd have to have a look um, on the on the, the schedule. I think the Bengals, if probably, memory serves me correct, it sounds about right. It sounds like what will be. <laughs> um, Either way, yeah, no, no, you're right. It is the Bengals. Either way, yeah. Like, boy, if he has to start that, yeah. So I think yeah, it it is indeed a very spicy take, the spiciest of your takes. Um, so worthy, worthy of the title. Um, and I think there's definitely some validity to it. I just hope that if that is true, in my opinion, I think they would be better off being upfront about it and not having this murky water of, well, you know, we'll just see week to week. We just look, we don't look into the future. You know, we just play game by game that might not serve him. Right. Well, I think the other, th- the, the key is too that they'll be being honest with their evaluation of him with him. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing mm. with, with Mike Tomlin and, and the Steelers coaching staff. You know, he's going to be in no sort of murky place about where he stands at present. I think they'll be very clear with him. I think there's a number of factors. Like, you know, I look at the Steelers and think they've actually quite loaded in terms of the offense 
um, one of my possible spicy takes was that George Pickens is going to enter week one as the number one receiver, the third third round draftee out of um, Georgia. I think it was Georgia. Um, I, I just think he has exceptional talent. Um, believe at one point in his college career, he was sort of viewed as a first round talent. Um, I, I just think that he could really make strides over the next four or five weeks. But I just think, too, the offensive line, I'm not convinced it's going to be fixed. I think it can be better but not be fixed. And if it's not fixed, why not use an experienced quarterback like Trubisky or like Rudolph, who knows the system, to absorb some of that, you know, that task. The Steelers go um, Bengals, they go Patriots, they go Browns three pretty tough defenses to face. They go Jets, who I think are going to be much improved. They go Bills. They go the Buccaneers. So to me, oh. that's, that's that's sort of seven starts there. The Jets are the big question mark. Seven really decent defenses. And you go Dolphins, not sure where the Dolphins are going to be at. You go Eagles. Then you go Saints, Bengals, Colts, three good defenses. Falcons, don't know what they'll be. Ravens. Panthers, Raiders, Ravens, Browns. It's not uh, a cakewalk for me of a schedule, and I I wouldn't want to throw a rookie quarterback into the fire. Maybe this is sort of 20... And, and make no mistake, I think the Steelers are going to be competitive. I think we're on track for that 9-10 wins. Um, I, I just think this is a little bit like 2017 Chiefs, in a sense. Not like for like stylistically i think the steelers are close to where they want to be but i don't think you want to throw this guy to the wolves and and there's definitely some wolves early in the schedule so there's our spicy spicier and spiciest takes um we'll be back soon with some more nfl coverage for you got jack along for the ride this season which i'm absolutely you know ravenously excited about jacko thanks so much for joining us today Thanks for having me. Lots of fun. Absolutely. All right. Uh, until next time, guys, make sure you go and subscribe to the JBSC wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you go and follow the JBSC on Twitter. Give us a five-star rating, all of that good stuff. Until next time, you've been great. We've been reasonable. It's the JBSC. Thanks so much for listening.